Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Good morning. My name is Liz, and um, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And today we are wrapping up our current series called Come Alive. And I hope that if you've been here during this series, that something, like you've come upon something new, that you've noticed and recognized something new in your spirit, that something has come alive. Now, during this uh, last several weeks, during this journey, let me highlight the kind of things that we've gone over. We've gone over, we've talked about slowing down our lives so that we can cultivate a being relationship with Jesus instead of just the doing relationship. We've explored how reaching out for the Jesus that says, I make your life better, is really an Americanized version of Jesus, right? And that the real and true Jesus that we follow asks us to sacrifice and deny ourselves in following him. We learned that we aren't all Olympic athletes here with unlimited potential. And I'm sorry if you didn't hear that sermon, but spoiler alert, you have limits, okay? <laughs> and God, God designed us this way with God-given limits, and when we push into those and we live by them, we actually live more fuller lives. We've talked about naming our losses and giving space for those emotions that rise up within us. We've redefined the measure of Christian maturity as our love for one another. And last week, I talked about um, past wounds that can kind of resurface as like these stones coming up from the ground and that we have to actually pay attention to those things instead of just gloss over them and hurry up and just try to like move on with life and ignore our, our inner selves. So all of these things that we've talked about, it's hard work. And, and some of you might be like, I am ready for this series to be over. <laughs> but guess what? It's lifelong work. So you can hurry up and move on, but then you ignore your inner life with God. It's like I took you to the gym each week. We, each one of us, you know, Greg and Dan and myself, as we're uh, doing these sermons, we take you to the gym and you're lifting heavy weights with us. You're not just doing like little reps with lightweight, right? You're doing, you're doing some heavy lifting when we do emotional work, when we integrate our inner self with um, our life and following Jesus. You know, there's like a certain way of lifting weights, which is lifting to, to failure. Have you guys ever heard of that? Okay. So it's like you lift a little bit heavier weights, and instead of just doing like a set 10 reps, you do it until like you're shaking and you can barely lift anymore, and then like that's when you finish your reps. And that's when you know like you are doing something in your muscles, right? You're making those little microscopic tears so that they can rebuild stronger. And so doing this emotional work and integrating it with our 
uh, life with Jesus is like lifting to, to failure, okay? You're lifting heavy weights, and guess what? It exposes our weaknesses, and it exposes uh, ways that we need to work on things with Jesus. But then the gift is that we get to rebuild with the strength of God rather than ourselves. So avoiding this way of life, um, this way of being with Jesus, avoiding our limits is like skipping going to the gym altogether, right? And just consuming whatever the world throws at us uh, to live successfully, you know, numbing out our pain or just hustling till we're tired and exhausted, doing, 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 so we get, look good on the outside, but inside ignore um, our poor emotional reactions and just hide in shame. So this morning we come to our final trait of maturity as followers of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul and um, his mark of maturity. And here is the trait. It's leading our lives with vulnerability and weakness embraces the power of God. So there's a posture here as Christians that embraces the power of God. Now, the Latin root word of vulnerable is to wound. That's what it means. And that makes sense because when we live with vulnerability, we live with the possibility of being hurt. We live um, being susceptible to things not going right or our way, um, to criticism, to loss. That's what living vulnerable is like. And who wants to live like that? We would rather just live impenetrable, right? Strong with a shield so nothing comes against us. <clears throat> Author Brene, Brene Brown, she defines vulnerability as uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Those things feel very true. And in her book, The Power of Vulnerability, she says, authenticity is the daily practice of, of letting go who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we actually are. Choosing authenticity means cultivating the courage to be imperfect, to set boundaries, and to be vulnerable. So in this series, we've been following this book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, where Pete Cesaro, he in this particular chapter, he gives um, this chart of comparing these two postures of living out of weakness and vulnerability or living um, from a posture of being proud and defensive. Okay, so I'm just going to read to you uh, these phrases and listen for what sounds familiar. It may not be exactly how you experience life, but what sounds familiar. So living vulnerable means this. I allow myself to be sad and troubled in front of others. I admit to others when I'm feeling overwhelmed. I easily ask for help and prayer from others. I pray in dependence on God, surrendering my will to his. I can admit when I am struggling to surrender to God. 
Now the opposite, the posture of being proud and defensive sounds like this. I tend to cover up my struggles and sadness. I refuse to fall apart in front of others and instead model a strong front. I rarely appear needy in front of others. I pray only how to turn a bad situation around to a positive one. And I try to stand tall in suffering so others can lean on me. Now, my youngest daughter, who's not here <laughs> right now, but she broke uh, her clavicle about a year ago. You all feel that, like, that bony part in your neck, shoulder? <laughs> That's your clavicle, okay? And uh, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to, to put a cast on, right? You don't just like... So it's... It's really kind of difficult to um, protect. And she broke it from falling off of her bottom bunk bed, okay, which seems like such an extreme injury for such, like, little effort, right? <laughs> but little bodies, little bones, like, they're malleable, right? So thankfully, even though it fractured easily, like, it heals quickly. But we went to urgent care, and what they did is they gave her this little yellow sling with brown little teddy bears on it. So cute. But guess what? It did nothing, okay, to keep her arm in place for her clavicle. And so, like, it would always, like, fall, and it would get wonky, and then we'd have to fix it and adjust it to get it back in the right spot. And she hated it because it hurt trying to adjust the thing. So Dan and I were like, okay, I think we should just be done with the, the sling and see what happens. And guess what? She did great. She did awesome because she knew what was wrong and she did what she needed for her body. So she knew that it hurt. She knew that she couldn't move her arm. So she kept her arm like nice and, and tight and close to her body. Um, she didn't let anybody pick her up. <laughs> She would climb into her car seat and wherever she needed to go. Uh, we wore like the same two shirts for a very long time because they were the only button-up shirts that I owned. I mean, you don't own a lot of button-up shirts for small children. So it was like these, this was the only shirt she wore because she couldn't like lift her arm to put it in a t-shirt. And she wouldn't eat with that arm or color with that arm. She kept it in its like position until she slowly, little by little, she felt like, okay, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, and then she could use it again. She moved about her world when she had this wound, this injury, very tenderly and carefully and tentatively. When we are in a posture of being proud and defensive, we just like charge through life unhindered, right? Moving all the barriers out of the way. But when we live from a posture of weakness and vulnerability, we slow down to notice things, to take care of things, to seek the things that we need. Similarly, like when you have an injury. Now, Paul, who we're going to read about in 2 Corinthians, also had a type of injury in his life. And he prayed and he prayed that God would take it away. And God actually told him no. Now, this in no way means that we should stop asking God 
to heal and restore and take away things in our life that um, we're struggling with. Jesus did so many of those things when he was here on earth, and he still does that work today. But in this particular instance, God told Paul, no. And instead, God gave Paul the most profound answer for saying no. He said, my grace is all you need. Now, Paul is one of the most influential Christians of all time. He wrote half of the New Testament. He uh, worked tirelessly to spread Christianity in the ancient Near East, basically making Christianity what it is today. And yet, his authority and position as an apostle was seriously challenged several times. And part of that was that he valued this posture of weakness and vulnerability. So there were these super apostles that came to the church. This is what the Second Corinthians is about. Super apostles came, and they came with, the, with this huge ministry of signs and wonders that seemingly surpassed all that Paul did. And they spoke of these amazing heavenly revelations that they had, and they had amazing speaking abilities. And they claimed that they had a very unique anointing from God. And they slowly or very quickly started eroding the trust of the Corinthian church with Paul. And Paul was the church planter of the Corinthian church. That He made that church. And they were eroding the trust and loyalty there. But Paul considered his weakness as his badge of apostleship. He knew that his authority and calling came from Jesus and only Jesus. It didn't come from fancy words. It didn't come from eloquent speaking abilities or impressive visions. It came from Jesus. Jesus gave him the authority. And he was going to do whatever it took to point and glorify Jesus. So we're going to read in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. It's up on the screen. You can read along uh, on your device. I'm reading from the NLT version. He says, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. Let me pause. Paul has been boasting for a couple chapters now. And you might be like, why is he boasting? I thought we were just talking about weakness and vulnerability. Yes, we are, I promise. Um, but Paul is using this way of arguing and saying, like, if I have any reason to boast, I, all of the reason I would have to boast is higher than yours. Like, it has all validity and merit if I were to boast. But I I don't choose that because that's not what Christianity is all about. But if I wanted to boast and have this kind of back and forth thing with you, I could do that, but I choose not to. So it's his way of reasoning. He says, I, re I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. 
I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. You might be like, Liz, what's the third heaven? Well, let me tell you. As far as I know, the Jews uh, saw this as like the first heaven and like the atmosphere as like the second heaven. And the third heaven was where God was. And so there was, this is a, a vision and a revelation. This is direct uh, interaction with God. So, so he's in the third heaven. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth, worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will only boast about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this is a posture of Christian maturity that's easily overlooked. <clears throat> but if we overlook it, we miss Jesus himself because he is our suffering servant. This is the very posture that he took coming to earth. And living from this posture is so profitable because Christ's power than is put on display. Now, gallons of ink have been spilled over trying to figure out what Paul's thorn in the flesh is. And I don't have an answer for that. But the, the, like the two main camps that um, theologians will fall into is that it could have been a physical ailment of some type, and we still have no idea. Or it could be these super apostles that were criticizing him and just all the people against him. Either way, the point is, is that Paul experienced suffering. And that kept him weak and vulnerable. And in that, he heard Jesus tell him, my grace is all you need. So our first point this morning, and I only have two, is that Jesus gives us grace to accept our weaknesses. Where do you feel prone to weaknesses in your life? 
Maybe, and I would, I would hope that you have noticed some of them during this series. You know, you've noticed maybe some behavior patterns you have, um, some wounds, some um, bentness towards fear and anxiety, or just whatever kind of uh, physical struggles you have, or anything else. Things that you may think wrongly disqualify you. Or you think, like, to be mature, you have to get over them and get rid of all of them. And the perspective of this whole series is, like, you take your weaknesses to Jesus and let it lead you to more of him. And this is what Jesus says. He's actually going to take and use your weakness more than your strength. He's going to let your weakness be a conduit of his power in your life. Now, our church even has this theme and story of being weak and vulnerable, where Greg humbly took over as our interim pastor, and he built up a leadership team, and he led through the pandemic. He built up our financial um, store funds so that we could hire Dan and I as part-time pastors. Who does that in a pandemic? We come, we're weak, we're still weak, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and nobody has written a book on how to revitalize a church in, the, in a global pandemic. Many nights and days and prayers, I thought, is this church going to make it, Lord? I don't know. And we, were, we even considered, we might have to leave our, our uh, Christian vocation jobs and get full-time jobs to sustain things. But like over and over and over again, our, our leadership teams, our prayers, we just kept pushing in to the weakness and the vulnerability of the situation. God, you have to do it. You have to build the church because we only have so much resources but you have abundant resources. And so in this posture, almost every story we have like, has some kind of miraculous theme to it. And it's, it's amazing that we get to boast that this church has been built by the power of God. Yeah, it has. It's not something that Dan and I did or Greg did or any one of us did. It is the power of God that worked through us and the weakness of literally the situation and the entire world so that he could get the glory. So our second takeaway, the point, is that Jesus offers power for those who are weak. So he gives you grace to, to accept your weaknesses, and then in exchange of your weaknesses, he gives you power. Joni Erickson Tata, she's a well-known um, Christian quadriplegic and founder of Joni and Friends, and she tells this story about herself. She says, honesty is always the best policy, but especially when you're surrounded by a crowd of women in a restroom during a break at a Christian women's conference. One woman who was putting on lipstick said, Oh, Joni, you always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. 
Several women around her nodded. How do you do it? She asked as she capped her lipstick. I glanced at the nicely dressed women around me and I knew the break would soon be over. How could I answer their question in about 60 seconds? How could I sum up in a sound bite what has taken me three decades of quadriplegia to learn? I don't do it, I said. That raised their eyebrows. In fact, may I tell you honestly how I woke up this morning? Several women leaned against the counter to listen. This is an average day, I breathe deeply. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I'm alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, Oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in a chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours? God, I need you desperately. Looking at their expressions, I could tell that underneath the makeup and the jewelry, they too were carrying burdens. They were weary. Their hearts were bruised and numb. And they were curious to know more. So what happens when your friend comes through the bedroom door, one of them asked. I turn my head towards her and I give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it's God's. And so, I said, gesturing to my paralyzed legs, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. The women in the restroom were silent. And it's the only way to live. It's the Christian way to live. Joni says, I have learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God. And the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. God has used my quadriplegia to teach me and others through me that in our weakness, he is strong. Now, our foundational neediness as humans is not something we have to get rid of, that we have to heal, that we have to overcome. It's actually to be embraced as a strength. That's taken me a long time to learn. I'll go to my spiritual director and I'll just babble on about stuff and I'll be like, I feel so needy and human right now. And she's like, well, how do you think God feels about your humanness? I'm like, okay, I think he's okay with it. God is okay with our humanness. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. In our humanity, you and I get to hold the Spirit of God. What great power we have in our needy, messy humanity. And God delights in it. So my takeaways for you, my call to action, is 
one, these are just three, three things I came up with. So if one of them resonates with you, like take it with you this week and, and try it. Have a conversation with God about your weaknesses. You might feel like, yeah, I'm always prone to this, God. Just talk to him about it and listen to what he says back. What does Jesus think about that? And then ask that in exchange for that weakness, you would be filled with his grace and his power. So that's number one. Number two, review your day. Maybe you're just laying in bed before you go to bed, before you fall asleep, and you think, just review your day with God, and you say, God, where did I lean on my own strength today? Where did I just try to do it on my own today? And he might bring... A situation to mind. And then you ask the opposite question, God, where did I lean on your strength today? And then watch him bring something to mind. It could be something simple, but it puts a smile on his face because you partnered with him. You leaned on his strength. And the third one, this is just to, to, uh, to encourage the posture of weakness and humility in us. Do something sacrificial for someone and loving for someone that's totally anonymous, right? So you don't even tell it. It's like super stealth mode, okay? And like, what does it feel like to just have that recognition from your heavenly father? Like, you don't have to get any accolades for it, but you know it made a difference for somebody. Just, just try it out. All right, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and... Before I pray and we move into worship, we, we'll sing three songs, and the final two songs, um, we'll have some people praying uh, in the back by the tree, and we always invite you during the last two songs, you can get up at any time and just go ask somebody for prayer. It could be about anything. This morning, um, during the pre-service prayer time, just these two words were uh, brought to mind the word lost, and the word betrayed. So if those are feelings that resonate or words that resonate with you, it would be great for you to just go back and get prayer. And it's really easy and simple and not scary, but it might feel like you're nervous. That's okay. You just ask for prayer, and they'll just pray loving, gracious things over you. So lost and betrayed. All right, let's pray as we go into worship. God, thank you that we have this great treasure of you in our fragile bodies, that you chose to make your home with us. Thank you that out of our weakness and vulnerability, you give us strength and power, and we get to live united with you. Holy Spirit, would you come and be with us as we worship and we sing to you. Lift our hearts and fill us with joy again, Jesus. We love you. In your name, Jesus, amen. At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org lifevineyard.org